This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 98 of Small Talk. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle Smallman. Our other host, Steve Cerruti, is here, and I am looking at him, which is weird. Cerruti, what's up? I'm good. Yeah, this is kind of weird. We are, for those of you that are listening and are like, why is Cerruti on a phone? Why does the sound kind of sound a little bit different? We are currently doing this over Zoom for the first time ever. Michelle is at her apartment. I am in like my bedroom slash office slash workout room in my house here. So sorry if it sounds a little hollow. There's not a lot of workout equipment here. What's up? But we are doing the show looking at each other for the first time ever over Zoom. And it's like a whole new adventure. I don't know what to expect. I've never done this before. Not only have we never done this this way, do you realize that we have, since we've done small talk, we did the post-show pod in studio together, but we have not physically looked at each other in almost 100 episodes, Steve. I mean, I would say that I have not physically looked at a lot of people in this quarantine. Like, you're kind of like, (laughs) although, you know what's funny about this is I actually hate Zoom calls. I love my family. It's nothing against my family, like my in-law. I love everybody. Everybody's great. It's nothing against them. But I actually really do hate Zoom calls because I feel like now that the quarantine and isolation and all this stuff is ramped up, although less so now, everyone has to do a Zoom call. It's like, oh, we got to set up the family bi-weekly Zoom call. And it's like, we talked about the same shit we talked about last week. No one has any new information. We're just bored, so we're on this Zoom call. So traditionally, I hate Zoom calls, but I actually think it's going to make this podcast way better. I don't know. I'm feeling a little self-conscious that you're looking at me because I'm really animated. I use my hands a lot when I talk. Uh, I feel like you're going to side-eye me and be like, is she okay over there? We're both Italian. We're both very animated. Yeah. I'm currently using my hands right now. At least the classic Ricky Bobby, I don't know what to do with my hands situation. But Except no. we know exactly what to do with our hands. Funny thing is when I'm on the phone with you and doing the pod, I'm doing the same thing. Like sometimes I'll have you on speaker. I'll have you through my earbuds or whatever. And I'm doing all the things I'm doing now. I'm moving my hands around. You just can't see me. So now you'd be like, wow, Saruti is... I basically get a full workout in whenever I have a conversation with someone. So that is the workout room. It is, yes. It's a multi-purpose room and I'm using everything that you could possibly do. So I'm just going to kind of pretend that you're not looking at me and that we're in the studio because this is going to take some adjustment. This is going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. Okay, Steve, I need to talk to you about 4th of July weekend. Uh, Hopefully you queued up Star Spangled Bangers and had an awesome 4th of July. Yeah, my mom put it on. I went to the Cape with the family. Uh, it was Maddie, my wife. My sister Rachel was there, my mom and my dad. And my mom obviously listens to the pod and was like, we got to put out Star, Star Spangled Bangers. And so we listened to that a few times over the pod. It was, so it was good. It was a fun time. We also listened to Star Spangled Bangers at my barbecue, my 4th of July barbecue. Big hit. People were very surprised that I led with CCR, but you know what? It was the only play. Was- and I'm glad we did it. It was a great, great tone setter. But the other big development over 4th of July weekend was that your girl bought a Disney Plus subscription so that I could watch Hamilton. And I need to know if you also did the same thing. When I literally drove up to the Cape, we got there like Friday night, I think, or something late night. And it was on in my, in my family's house. So we were there watching it. They were doing their thing. And I had seen, so I've, I think we had, all of my family had seen Hamilton. I saw it maybe a couple years ago. It was not the original cast. It was in Hartford. What's up? Hartford has it. NBD. And um, yeah, Michelle doesn't agree. I lived there for several, for what, several years, I guess. But Almost listen, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm not going to sit here in public Hartford. It's actually not that great of a place. So I, I can't even, I can't even lie about it. But Hartford did have Hamilton. I saw it, non-original cast. I enjoyed it. So I, I didn't see all of it, all of the movie necessarily and all the original cast that's on Disney Plus now. But I caught some of the beginning. I caught some of the end. I, I actually watched the end again today because I wanted to remind myself of what happened. It is a little bit different. It's easier to follow along on Disney Plus. I remember when I watched it live, I was like, I'm having a hard time hearing what they're saying and following all of the words. I want to hear all the cool verbiage and raps that they're doing, but I couldn't really understand it. And you could understand it way better on Disney Plus. So I did find it there. 
It was a different experience. I enjoyed it, but I'm not a big, I mean, shockingly, Michelle, I'm not a huge musical guy. I'm just not. Uh, Steve, I'm floored. I thought yeah. you of all people would really love the arts and love and appreciate musical theater. Huge show tunes guy. Yeah. No, I, I think the only other time I've seen, so that was probably, I mean, I'm probably forgetting it, but the only other time I could remember going to see a musical was, and that's considered a musical, right? Like Hamilton's a yeah. musical. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I don't know the difference between show tunes, musicals. I guess I get the difference between like an opera. Like there are all these different varying things. The only other musical I ever remember seeing in my life was when I took my girlfriend in high school ex-girlfriend obviously now to see hairspray back when that was like a big deal and i actually do and i actually remembered enjoying it it was actually pretty good hairspray is awesome it was fun i guess maybe i need to broaden my horizons because i like hamilton and i like hairspray but they're the only two that i've ever seen so you are a big musical theater guy i mean we're talking percentages like per capita yeah i'm a huge musical guy like 100 approval rating yeah so this may surprise you steve too but i saw hamilton on broadway in shocker. New York city. shocker definitely original cast yep definitely you probably got hooked up by somebody or someone big time no doubt about it so here's what happened it was right after lynn manuel miranda left the cast but it was still the majority of the original cast and jen Lada, our friend from ESPN, oh, and yeah. i are friends and she had a friend who was in the show who was supposed to have a family member come to see the show, but I think someone in the family was pregnant and so they couldn't make it. So kind of last minute, she got gifted these unbelievable seats to Hamilton. And so she calls me up, she's like, hey, can you take the day off work and you want to go to the city and see Hamilton? I was like, you bet your ass I'm taking the day off work and we're going to the city to see Hamilton. So I had seen it in New York and cried, thought it was amazing, thought it was a stunning masterpiece, absolutely loved it. And I really didn't care about Disney Plus prior to Hamilton getting released. But I was like, you know what? It's 4th of July. I loved Hamilton. I loved the songs. I really would love to watch it. So I downloaded the Disney Plus subscription. I watched Hamilton. And then I thought, okay, I paid, what, $6.99 for this thing? And I'm going to cancel it in a month. So I need to get my money's worth, right? I'm going to start going through the catalog, the Disney catalog, and kind of revisit some of these movies. And let me tell you, Steve, I've been on quite the Disney kick. And... I think that subscription has already paid for itself because I am getting all sorts of new Disney information that I'm finding very valuable. Aunt Michelle is quickly (laughs) shooting up the power rankings, okay? I mean, I have Disney hot takes left and right. Actually, friend Michelle also shooting up the power rankings. All my friends are moms. I'm texting them. I'm like, can we talk about Moana? Like Moana is slept on when we are talking Disney princesses. And they're like, could not agree more. We have this to say about Moana. So Disney Plus, if you are, I don't know, let's say 27 and up, pretty good investment. Not only because it's going to help you in the kids space, but it's going to help you in the mom and dad space as well. Let me tell you this. Maybe people make fun of me for this. And if they do, that's fine. But I feel like you're lying to yourself if you don't believe me, if you're a dude. One of the advantages to having a girlfriend or dating someone or dating anyone is that for guys, especially guys like me that are into sports, like I'm not going to watch Frozen by myself. But when you're dating someone, it's much more acceptable to watch Moana, to watch Frozen, to watch all these Disney movies that, let's be honest, you know you want to watch. I'm not saying they're my favorite movies ever, but it's hard to not enjoy a Disney movie, no matter who you are. So I remember there was this huge gap in my life because I didn't really date a ton in college. I didn't really date most of my early professional career. So it was probably a good gap of, I would say, maybe eight or so years where I didn't watch 
any Disney movies. And I remember like, being so bummed out about it because I'm like, man, I don't have somebody to watch Disney movies with. This sucks. And then I started dating Maddie and I basically caught up on the entire catalog. I watched Frozen like many years late and now I'm a Frozen person. I watched Coco. I watched Moana. I actually watched Moana on my honeymoon in Hawaii. What's up? So we were like literally taking in the entire thing. I was, like, in, I was like in the role here. It was awesome. But that's 100% true. So I know maybe some guys will make fun of me and maybe people don't think that's true, but it's 100% true. It is so much easier to consume Disney products when you're dating someone. First of unless all, you're a child, unless you're a child, of course, or, or a parent, or a parent. But it makes me sad, Steve, to think of you being bummed out and alone, wanting to watch Disney movies <laughs> and not having anyone to watch Disney with. You know what's funny is I was probably more bummed out that I couldn't watch Disney movies with someone than I was bummed out that I that I wasn't dating someone. Like I didn't care if I was dating someone. It's like whatever, I don't care. But but. I wish I had someone to watch Disney movies with. That is a true story. Oh, you know what, Steve? I hope you've learned that you don't need anyone to watch Disney <laughs> movies with, okay? Don't feel like you need to have somebody by your side to enjoy Disney, right? It's 2020. You're right. If you want to do it, do it yourself. Don't be afraid. I should know. I should know it's 2020. That's my mantra. But back in 2014, Steve was a little bit more worried about that. I think it's more that you want someone to talk about it with afterwards because you know I'm over here throwing it on in the background while I'm working and I'm thinking to myself okay sleeping beauty I've got some takes and thankfully I have all my girlfriends who are moms who also have had Disney plus on you know continuous repeat for the past three months while they're trying to do their full-time jobs and entertain their kids but it's tough when you watch a Disney movie and you want somebody to break it down with. Yeah, if you don't have a significant other, it's kind of a bummer, huh? See, I disagree. I think there's just a stigma. Like if I told you, hey, Michelle, like I was solo watching Aladdin, you would be like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> that's just not acceptable, period. And listen, maybe we need to change that going forward. Maybe that, that's yeah. 2021's problem, though. We're not going to worry about it. We got a lot of problems right now. We're good We got too much stuff, yeah. But maybe 2021. But if I told you, if you're like, hey, Sergey, like, what'd you do last night? Like, we were catching up, talking about show stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I just caught up on a Sleeping Beauty last night. You'd be like, I'm sorry? Come again? What? That's kind of weird. So, no. It wasn't even about the camaraderie of being able to sh I just feel like you have, if you're a dude, you can't just watch a Disney movie by yourself. You just can't. You'd be judged for it. See, I think there's a lot of dudes out there who are solo watching Disney. But they're I not mean, telling anybody about it, for sure. They're not. They're, they're, they're closet Disney they keep watchers. That, they keep that to themselves. They don't go there and tweet that out to the public, unless you're super secure with who you are. So we've had this talk prior about adults that are obsessed with Disney and adults that make Disney World or Disneyland their vacation sans kids. Yeah. And there's way more people out there going to Disney solo as an adult or with their significant other than we even realize. I mean, we know they exist, but... That subsect of people Hold on. is pretty big. So I think there's a lot of adults watching Disney solo, especially dudes, Steve. I think there's way more than you think. Hold on. Who's going to Disney World or Disneyland solo? I don't, there's a, people do, who? 100%. I guarantee you 100%. There are people who are solo going to Disney and that's their vacation for the year. Uh, that's one of those things, again, that you don't tell other people about. You just go, you don't put it on Instagram. You don't tweet about it. If you want to do that, because I feel like if any of my friends went to Disney solo, and I guess it's different because it is different for dudes. I'm not trying to say, hey, dudes have it bad, but it just is different for dudes. If, I guess if you or one of your friends went to Disney World, from a female perspective, it might be a little bit more acceptable, but I would still be like, oh, Michelle went to Disney World solo? Like, what the hell is wrong with her? Like, do I need to check in on her and make sure she's okay? That's not an acceptable practice. Like, I think you either need to have kids or you need to be one of those crazy Disney people that everybody judges. You can't go solo. If I posted a picture on Instagram of me solo at Disney, I guarantee you would just comment, are you okay? 
Yeah, I would immediately text you and be like, is this a cry for help? What's happening right now? <laughs> is this is this like 2008 Britney? Was that the year? Was it 2008? I don't even know. Speaking of yeah, Britney, yeah. another another whole thing. But I, this whole Britney thing being what is she locked in her own body and life and house without any control of her life is a whole. That's another. That's a 2021 small talk podcast as well. But. I a feel lot like to unpack I, with Brittany. Yeah, a lot yeah. to unpack with Brittany. I'm opening too many doors here. But anyway, I would think you were having a midlife crisis or something was wrong with you. But I'm telling you, a lot of adults do it. When I went there to run my half marathon. What do they I, do? What I have no idea. This is what I'm telling you. I have no idea. Our mutual friend Elizabeth and I went there to run a half marathon. And we were there. And we were like, you know, because we work for ESPN, which yeah. is owned by Disney. So we get Disney passes. And we didn't have kids. And we wanted to run the race there. And so we were like, hey. Let's check out the park. We're here. And we went there and I was shocked, Steve, by how many adults were there that did not have children with them. And they were in matching t-shirts. They had the swag. They had the Disney swag that they had either purchased and or made themselves. It was like Mickey and Minnie. And they're in line as adults waiting for the rides, eating a Mickey Mouse popsicle, having the time of their damn lives. Okay. Are we on the same page here? Because I know those people exist. I have a friend who's a, their whole family's a big Disney people and we make fun of them all the time about it. Listen, it's free country, do whatever you want. It just wouldn't be my cup of tea. It's okay. Totally. If you have a good time, go and do it. But I'm going to judge you I for feel. it. That's how I feel. I'm going to judge you for it. That's okay. But it's him and his wife. He wouldn't go solo. I'm talking about people that go solo. Like you went with Elizabeth. That's a different story. It's okay if you want to go to Disney. It's still a little bit weird, but it's okay if you go to Disney with a friend without kids, but it's not okay if you go to Disney solo. That's all I'm saying. You cannot go by yourself because then you're a red flag walking around. Every other person's going to be like, what is this person walking around with no kids, no friend, no wife, no anything? They're just going on Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, because that's what they want to do today. That's super weird. I know the implication. You're talking about going into a space where it's typically for children. And if you're a solo adult, there's a lot of questions there being like, or at least some eyebrows raised, like, what's your intention here? Why are you at Disney solo? But then I also think, Steve, this is coming back to a larger conversation about a stigma for single people and a stigma (laughs) for solo travelers, okay? I am not a solo traveler, but I think it's kind of bullshit that we would just say, hey, two adults going to Disney and matching t-shirt is okay because they're together but if they independently wanted to go that that's somehow creepier i think if you're an adult that wants to go to disney as your vacation your creepy barometer is the same whether you're Mm -mm. an adult with a partner or a solo adult Mm -mm. and listen again not judging you do what you want but i just i mean yes i guess if it was a solo male Cruising Disney. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty that, freaking weird. You know, now that I'm talking about this out loud and I'm workshopping it, yes, a solo male at Disney is going to raise a lot more eyebrows than a solo female at Disney. Yep. But I also think it doesn't make you any, like, what if you just don't have anybody else, any other adult that shares your affinity for animation? That shouldn't stop you from doing what you want to do. It's literally the same thing as, as me, as a mid-20s guy, not being able to watch Disney movies. It's the same thing. And I didn't watch Disney movies because I felt it was weird. It would be the same thing if I, as a mid-20s guy, went to Disneyland solo by myself. That would be super weird. And people would judge me for it. Maybe people were going to say, you know, you shouldn't do that. And you're saying, oh, it's a, it's a single stigma. But there's no way that that's acceptable. And I'm all for going on solo vacations. One of my favorite activities in life is watching movies by myself. I'm, my wife is like, she knows that about me. It is what it is. I don't think she loves it. But I like going to the movies and watching a movie by myself and having a big ass bowl of popcorn and a soda and just spending two, two and a half hours watching something that I want to watch. 
in the same way that if I wanted to go to Europe solo and go to Italy and, you know, go to London or go to Spain, whatever, that's totally fine if you're by yourself. God, our boy Rosillo does it all. Rosillo went to Greece solo and it was probably an awesome time. But anything Disney related solo, especially as a dude, the radar of weirdness is just, it's flying off the charts. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. That is the way it is. But I still don't think it's fair. Because I think if you're an adult Life's not that fair. likes Disney- Life's not fair. I don't know. I, like, I don't think that's the way it is. You know what? 2020 has shown us that life sucks. Okay, life is it not does. fair. It is. Very true. But I also think if you are an adult male that loves Disney and you cannot find someone, a companion to go to Disney with, that, that shouldn't stop you from going if you just truly want to enjoy it, I would just make sure you're aware of the looks that you're going to get. Okay, again, now we're talking through this. Like, imagine if you want to ride the rides and, you know, it's usually like a two to four person seat situation. Yeah. And then we're like, what if it's a two seater? And then you sit there and then the people are sliding up and you're like, hey, I'm a solo writer. Do you want to hop on this with me? Everyone's going to say, I'll wait for the next one. Yeah. Like with all due respect, if there's like some 40 year old dude who's solo in line to get on the teacups or surrounded by a bunch of toddlers, I'm sorry. That's not okay. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You're going to be judged for that. It's weird. Even if you're totally a cool person, you're totally fine. It's just... Some stigmas are okay. I'm okay with that one, to be honest with you. I'm sorry. Call me old-fashioned. I don't know what to tell you. If you're an adult male solo Disney traveler, <laughs> let's just pass on the teacups. Yeah. Rock and Roller Coaster, um, Flash Mountain. Is it still Splash Mountain? Splash Mountain? I don't know. Some of the more thrilling rides. Okay, I can understand. That's fine. You know, amusement parks are fun. They're not for me, but they're fun. I get that. But the, you know, the Dumbo up and down, the teacups, any of the ones that are basically for toddlers and younger, if you are solo in line, honestly, you shouldn't even be able to do it, period. I'm just going to, I'm going to draw the line there. You shouldn't be able to do it. It should be an age limit. Yeah. I would not want to be the Disney employee having to deal with that conversation. Yeah. Like, sir, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. This is definitely ageism, but you're, we're going to have to ask you to leave. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is going to suck for you in many ways, but yeah. Read the room, bro. Look at we'll the give objects. You, we'll give you Look a at free, the objects here. Yeah, we'll give you a free fast pass for another for an adult ride, but just kindly leave. <laughs> Thanks for your money, but you yeah. gotta go. Okay, Thanks. so let's circle back to the Disney movies that I've been watching. Do you want to talk about my Disney takes or do you want to talk about Hamilton? Because we can go uh, down two paths here. Let's do the Disney takes first since we're on the hard Disney theme here. Okay, so I have two Disney takes that I want to run by you. One is not so serious and one is pretty serious. So let's go not so serious first. As I was saying when I texted my friends, Moana is slept on, okay? As someone that loved Disney as a kid, who has watched Disney here and there as an adult, I just never really got around to watching Moana, mm -hmm. probably because, again, yes, I'm an adult, and I don't really watch Disney movies. I don't have a reason to. I don't have a child in my life. I'm going to have many children that I love and adore, but that on the reg, I'm going to sit down and watch Disney. But I queued up Moana the other day, and I got to tell you, Moana, great music, I love her as a lead character. She is a badass. The Rock kills it. I think the story is great. The visuals are amazing. I feel like people really embraced Frozen, and Frozen was kind of this young child's generation of what The Little Mermaid was, Steve, in kind of an hour era. Yeah. And I think that's a misguided approach because I think Moana way better than Frozen. I 
would agree with you. I like them both, to be honest with you. Um, and as I mentioned, I watched Moana, like, literally, I was taking in the scenery of Hawaii and watching this movie Moana, which is like about Polynesian islands and basically that. So I was in character, I guess I should say, or whatever, in the surrounding. So I was really into that movie when we saw it. And it was awesome. And Frozen for me, I saw Frozen probably four or five years after it came out. So the hype had gotten way out of control to be like, oh my God, Frozen's the best, you know, Disney animated movie of all time. And I'm like, well, wait a second here. Like I've seen a lot of these movies growing up. That's saying something. If we're saying it's the best movie of all time. I watched it. It was good. It would be in my top five. No, but I thought it was pretty good. And if you said to me tomorrow, you could watch one of those movies and you can watch only one for the rest of your life, Moana or Frozen, I would easily take Moana. Easily. Frozen, good, not great. That song, Let It Go, amazing. The other songs, mm, okay. Oh, wait. Although I will say, didn't Frozen give us the um, the Adina Menzel? Oh, Adele Tazim. Adele Tazim, whatever yeah, yeah. thing. John Travolta. Okay. So I, honestly, you have to add that into the Frozen. That's a big pro for Frozen, but I'm still not right. sure it gets over Moana, but that was genuinely one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Adele Dazim. Yeah, and he never, you know, I was actually talking about this the other day. He never even explained why he did that, right? He's never even said why he just didn't know that he just made up her name on the spot. The wickedly talented is El Tazim. And you're just like, what is happening right now? Anyway, so we've got sidetracked. Oh, Adele Dazim. And he said it so confidently. Oh, I know. Too, as if he had nailed it. And at some point, you get to John Travolta's zero fucks level. Like, people don't even ask you for an explanation. It's like, yep, he screwed up. Nobody knows why, but he did. I would want to know, like, what the hell was going on? Were you high? Maybe? I don't know. But anyway, we've digressed. If I'm watching one of those two movies, I'm watching Moana every day. It's awesome. I didn't really love The Rock in it. I thought that character was super annoying. But you're right. Moana was an awesome character. I thought the story was cool. Um, and I like some of that like, mythology. I like in Disney movies, like, I like Disney movies that have heavy mythology. I love Hercules, right? And obviously, Greek mythology is basically the biggest mythology there is up there with Roman. But I like some of those, those uh, what is it, the, the Polynesian islands and the, uh, Maui and the story behind all that stuff. I just think that stuff's really cool. I think that they did a really good job portraying it. Don't you dare talk badly about The Rock, okay? The Rock is- I'm not a Rock guy. Oh, love The Rock. And I thought he was great as Maui. He was the perfect casting choice for Maui. I'm not going to disagree with you. I just didn't like him. I think he was annoying. And maybe that was his character. That was probably the character in the movie. He was supposed to be annoying and thought he was his hot shit and he actually wasn't yeah. hot shit at all. Um, he was like a, nar a narcissistic demigod. Of yeah. course you were supposed to hate him. Yeah. He stole the heart. Of course you were supposed to hate him. He was an anti-hero who Moana changed into being a nice guy. Anyway, spoiler alerts. But I will say this about Frozen. I started watching Frozen and I got very annoyed in the beginning because I was like, what are we telling young girls? First here's Anna, the sister. You know, I'm feeling badly for her because she's shut away and missing her sister. And then she meets some guy. She doesn't even know his last name. And in two seconds, she's engaged. And she's like, yay, you know, they're going to whisk me away. I thought the beginning of Frozen was annoying. But by the end, I really liked how it came full circle. Here you have Elsa. And you have her parents who, in the beginning of the movie, are looking at her being like, wow, our child has a wintry disability and we need to hide her away from the she was, public. Yeah, she was the Disney version of X-Men. She was like an X-Men. She was like Storm in a way. That's what she was, except she would just fire bullets of ice at people. It was pretty wild. So haven't seen X-Men, can't understand that comp, but I'm gonna take your word for it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But then I loved how at the end they were like, no, your differences are what makes you special. You know, yay. 
full circle, great messaging. Same thing for Anna. Like you don't need a guy to rescue you. Like maybe meeting a guy. It was almost like too Kardashian for me. You know, I'm like, is Anna Chloe Kardashian who just meets Lamar Odom and in like five seconds is like, we're getting married. And Elsa's Chris <laughs> Jenner being like, oh, I don't know if this is good for the family. Like, I don't know if this is great for the brand. Maybe we shouldn't do this. But in the end, she was like, yeah, that was a bad idea. Shouldn't have done that. Should have listened to the family. Should have listened to the people who loved me. And so in the beginning, I didn't like it. And at the end, I did. So Frozen came around for me. Whereas Moana, in the beginning, I was like, yes, this is the messaging we need to be pounding into young girls' brains. We are brainwashed by this princess culture. Like all the Disney movies that I watched when I was growing up, it's like, you have to be beautiful. You have to have this amazing body and be delicate and have the voice of an angel. And don't worry, you little delicate flower, a prince is going to come along and save you. You are nothing without a prince unless he swoops in to save you. And Moana was like, out of here. Okay. I'm a badass. I'm going to be the chief. I'm going to go out there and save the world on my own. And I'm going to wrangle this huge guy in the rock or in Maui that is very intimidating. And oh, molten lava God, forget it. I'll take you on myself because I don't need anyone but me to get my own shit done. So Moana, thumbs up for me. And if I ever have a daughter, we are very pro Moana household. Um, okay, all fair, and I will not argue one point with you. I think we've clearly yeah, sorry seen. Sorry for that rant. No, no, it's good because we've clearly seen through movies, and especially Disney movies, like they have trended in a certain direction, and I think rightfully so, in a direction of not traditional stereotypes. And I think that's cool, and honestly, that makes movies more interesting to watch because then it's like, okay, I haven't seen this before a million times. I haven't seen the guy save the princess at the tower or whatever, like that we've seen a million right. times. But I will say, just to push back a little bit on the Frozen thing, what's the sister's name? I forget. I always forget. Anna. 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 Okay. Anna is supposed to marry that dude who was a douchebag. And yeah, he ends up being a bad guy. But she's actually like really the true strong character though. So, yeah. so I would push back like, yeah, all right. They almost show in the movie that she doesn't need to do with that bullshit. Like they prove to girls or whatever, like, hey, you don't need this bull. You don't need some douchebag boy to hang out, whatever. Then she ends up meeting a dude who's actually really nice and appreciates her. Uh, I don't know his name in the movie, but his name is Jonathan Groff, who by the way, is in Hamilton. What's up? We'll talk about him in a little bit because he was the best part of Hamilton. So I kind of think they sort of, helped that message a little bit so i understand initially why you would push back on that but i think she was a, a really strong character that i liked probably more than elsa oh that's what i said it came full circle for me because in the end she was like i don't need a man's true love first kiss true love lives inside me i did a selfless act yeah. and protected my sister and therefore i melted so that's what i'm saying in the beginning i was like what are we telling these girls and then by the end i was like yes positive programming i love it no, you're 100% right. The other thing too, those movies actually are, are kind of similar in a way too, because they both have that sort of weird sidekick where like in Frozen, it's Olaf, who is very funny. And yes, in Moana, the it's the, the chicken that clearly has a couple screws loose, who is very hey, funny hey. in the movie. Yeah, there's clearly a playbook here that Disney's playing out of, but it's, it's working. So I guess you don't change it. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, if you go back through almost every Disney princess movie. It's, yeah, they're all the same. Yeah. Yeah, same formula. Like, hey, beautiful girl, tragedy, a parent dies. Oh, there's always, dies. oh, there's no, always never, a never a two, uh, a two parent household. Never. Almost. Well, never. Moana was, her grandma died. She had two That's parents. That's true. Or somebody always dies. There's always what? somebody dying. That's my one thing with every Disney movie. It's like, there's a, someone have to die in every movie. There's some like well, you, parent or you grandparent. Do you know why? Right? Do you know no, why? I, I don't think so. I don't so, know. Uh, I believe it's because when Walt Disney was a kid, his mother passed away. So and every so. movie had to have, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry for Walt Disney. It's a bummer for sure, but. I just, you know, I don't know. They certainly went to that well a lot. And it's, you know, it's okay if they come from a household that's, I don't know, whatever. It is what it is. But there always has to be some sort of tragedy in the background, yeah. um, which is sort of weird. And You have to that, overcome something. 
no, that's true. That's true. There needs to be some sort of thing that you need to do in, in the storyline. So I like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like Moana was good. I will say of the newish kind of movies, the newest Disney Pixar movies, I guess I'll include those as well. I was obsessed with, I thought Coco was the best one I've seen in recent history, uh, probably at least like the last five to 10 years. That movie was phenomenal. And I think it was the first ever Disney movie to represent the Latino family, I want to say, um, which is really cool. And again, like that's just, it's cool to see different people represented. But also, I really have always been fascinated by the Day of the Dead stuff. I just think that's really cool. I've always wanted mm-hmm. to go and participate in it to, to see like, the family and how everything goes. It was incredibly funny and incredibly moving. Like that movie was intense. That thing, I mean, I'm not afraid to say that I've shed a tear on that movie. It was a great movie. <laughs> Um, I've actually shed, shed, I've shed a tear on several Disney Plus movies that I've watched recently. Togo, if you're looking for a dog movie, my God, like Maddie cried literally 90 minutes of the entire movie. It was unbelievable. But Coco, for me, how you feel about Moana is how I feel about Coco. I just thought that movie was phenomenal. I was unprepared for Coco. I had heard it was amazing. I did not know I would be sobbing on an airplane. Oh, that's not, an, that's funny. That's a sneaky airplane movie. I remember... I think I've told this story on the pod. When you watch a movie on an airplane and you don't realize what you're getting into, that for me was Black Swan. I watched Black Swan on an airplane, like on an overnight flight. And so everyone could see my bright ass screen of these two, like, you know, having like, you know, this lesbian love with thing, whatever. And it was just like very intense. And I'm looking around being like, is anybody seeing what I'm watching? So when you unexpectedly stumble upon a movie you didn't expect on an airplane, multiply your uncomfortability by about 10. My friends and I call that an emotional plane dump yeah. because- I feel like when you're in air, you don't know anybody on the flight. There's kind of this freedom where you can be like, all right, I'm going to really let it go here with the tears. I've had two movies in recent memory that I just could not maintain composure when I watched them on an airplane. Um, One was Call Me By Your Name, that movie with yeah. Timothy Chalamet. Ooh, everybody loves. Everybody loves him, right? Yeah. You know. There was a speech at the end. The dad gave a speech at the end, and I wept. And I it was to the point where the person next to me looked over like <laughs> just do we need to call the flight attendant to see if she's okay? Are you okay? It was like you if I went to Disney solo, like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I am not okay. And then the other one, Steve, you we talked about this, was marriage story. Oh, I was not man prepared for the end of marriage story. And, you know, I was really tired. I was coming home from Thailand, which is a really, really long flight. And you were super hungover too. Oh my God. I was so hungover. I was jet lagged. I had just seen a nude man running through the Dubai airport. (laughs) I need to get home. I've been away for like two and a half weeks, three, really three weeks at that point. And I was just so ready to get home cue up marriage story in the beginning i'm like good good scarlett johansson's hair yeah 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 by the end hysterical absolutely hysterical it was uncomfortable again person next to me being like i feel like when you're on an airplane it's like no emotional rules exist you just cannot stop yeah you know that reminds me too i forget what movie it was but you also on airplanes have to be careful of watching movies that are you're supposed to see on a big screen too. I remember, I think it was Dunkirk. Maddie was like, yeah, I saw Dunkirk on a plane. Like, meh. I, it might not have been Dunkirk. She'll remind me and I'll tell you on the next spot if it wasn't that one. But it was like a Dunkirk-esque movie where clearly you needed the surround sound and you needed to feel the energy either of a good television or an IMAX theater or whatever. I saw that movie in IMAX. It was phenomenal. So you can't watch... Oh, uh, yeah. It was a Christopher Nolan movie about World War II. Uh, how can I not be down with that? I was going to see that to the max. But... 
I think that was the one she watched. You can't appreciate that kind of movie. So she was like, oh yeah, I saw it. It wasn't that good. I'm like, yeah, but you saw it on an airplane. That's like looking at a picture of the Sistine Chapel on your phone and being like, eh, it's not that great. That's not how it was supposed to be interpreted. So um, that's also another thing. You can't watch epic movies on, air on airplanes either. The fact that you just found a way to compare a Christopher Nolan vehicle to Michelangelo and the Sistine <laughs> Chapel was impressive, Steve. Honestly, and I think favorably, if I'm being honest. So what's up? I mean, we won't go there, but I understand the analogy. It was great. Okay, so Coco, A+. If you haven't seen it, mm -hmm. recommend it. Be prepared for it. But I want to get your review of Hamilton before we move on. Okay. Uh, as I said at the beginning, shortly, really liked it. You know me, I'm a huge history buff. And I actually, oddly enough, shockingly knew a good amount about Alexander Hamilton. I hadn't read the book that um, Lin-Manuel Miranda read. I forget the author's name, but I, haven't, I actually haven't Jonathan read it. Jonathan Chernoff, right? That sounds about right. Yeah. So I haven't read the book, but I just remember him. He's the, he, I remember him being the, basically the founding father of the banking system and money in America. So I knew a good amount of, about him and everyone obviously had hyped it up for several years when I actually found out and watched it uh, in Hartford. So then in watching it on Disney plus and watching it on television, I was just amazed at how much easier it was to follow. The only takeaway that I have that was negative, And I even hate saying this because it's like, Oh, it's Rudy's going to be a Debbie Downer. But I guess this is actually pretty well thought of now is Lynn Manuel Miranda, not a great singer. He was definitely the weak link in that whole thing now. But here's the thing that I think about this and I go, if I wrote some epic musical, that is critically acclaimed and everyone is obsessed with. Of course, I'm going to play the lead. So I don't even blame him for it, but that I couldn't help but think he wasn't really up to the level of everyone else on the show. Aaron Burr stole the show, in my opinion. Aaron Burr, the actor who played Aaron Burr, I need to look great. up his name. He was outstanding. I thought Eliza, the actress that played Eliza, unbelievable. I thought even the actor who played the king the was best. amazing. The best. Well, that's what the I was going to say, is the king was my favorite. I thought every time he was on, it was the best part of the show. I laughed. I mean, I wrote down some notes here about the king. And by the way, that guy is also in Frozen, as I mentioned earlier. His name is Jonathan Groff. He is incredibly talented. But he had the line, when I forget what the name of that song is. Because he's always so passive aggressive towards the, the colonies, right? And the line he has when he says, I'll send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. I laughed out loud when I heard that the first time. And then when I heard it in the actual uh, Disney Plus one, the king to me was hands down the best part of the entire thing. I don't know if he's the best part, but he's up there. But to your point about Lin-Manuel Miranda, I think he's amazing. I think he's a genius, but Definitely. I don't think he stole any scene that he was in. I agree. But I think that's part of the genius of him is that he was willing to cast so many other incredibly talented people around him and that it is Ron Chernow, by the way. That's I don't right. hope I'm saying that correct, that wrote yeah. the Hamilton book. I bought it after I saw Hamilton on Broadway. I was like, I'm going to read this. This sounds like a great book. <laughs> It's dense. Never cracked it open once. It's this thick, and it's I never dense. cracked it open one time. It's dense as hell. You have it to really love this. Um, you know what, Steve? Maybe I'll gift it to you. Maybe you'll read it. I actually genuinely would read it. I don't have it. Um, I've talked to people about it, and I wanted to, but I just haven't bought it. I've been, I've been. I don't read as much. Like, I thought I, I'm starting to read again now in quarantine, which is good. But like, I went through this thing where I just didn't read for a long time, and I need to get back into the flow of things. But anyway, a couple other things I want to mention about Hamilton that I thought were worthy to bring up, and not necessarily about the show itself, but. Dudes dressed like such badasses back in Revolutionary War era. Think about a waistcoat, some breeches, stockings, buttons were super in. Half the dudes had a man bun already. Like we talk about the 2010s being the decade of the man bun. No way. Everyone in the Revolutionary War had a man bun. It was unbelievable. And then if you were really cool, you got to wear one of those dope white wigs. Men's fashion, I wouldn't be mad if you said once a week you get to dress up like you're a, re a Revolutionary War general. Now for women, 
probably not so much as fun. But men's fashion, I'm all in. Revolutionary Warrior was awesome. You know what, Steve? I am not surprised that you're in on multi-layered suits. I am yeah. not surprised you're in on buttons. I am surprised, however, that you're into the white wigs and that you would be into the buckled shoes that don't seem very comfortable. The shoes are the weak link in the entire outfit. They look stupid. You're wearing high socks with low top, almost loafer with a butt. They're terrible. So I would change the shoe, but everything else about it was awesome. And I, listen, I, would, I don't want to wear the wig like all the time, but it would be kind of funny to just like wear this dope white wig around and have everyone think you're super important because that's what it was. It was basically just a status symbol for rich people. As far as the women's fashion is concerned, corsets and petticoats, I'm out. I mean, corsets in general sound just horrifically bad. Yeah. I mean, I've never worn a full corset. I've worn something that's similar and it sucks you in. It's not comfortable. I mean, they probably had amazing posture back then because it really makes you sit up because you can't move your rib cage. That's but, like, um, that reminds me of, yes. you ever, and this is another weird into history thing, but I believe it was Chinese. They talk about this in maybe Mulan a little bit, speaking of Disney uh, movies. I believe Chinese women used to wrap their feet very tightly to like keep mm -hmm. their feet small to be super dainty. And you're like the things that people did and even still do now. I mean, people have surgery now to look better, but even back then you would like cripple your feet just to make them look dainty and fit into small shoes. That's insane. It's insane. Steve, the things that we do today are insane. History is going to look back on women and be like, wait, you cut open your body and put silicone in your ass to look aesthetically pleasing? You think that history is going to look back on that favorably? I can tell you, history is going to look back on us and the same way that we're looking back on the Chinese women that wrap their feet. That's true, but I mean, I don't think getting silicone butt implants has the long-term pain and a lack of quality of life that it would if you wrap your feet and basically stunted their growth or wore a corset couldn't breathe for like four straight hours because you're at some ball and you have to look like you're skinny. I don't know. Yes, it is intense. It does seem intense to get a surgery to make yourself look better, but it's not really as painful, I feel like, as it would be to do some of the things you did back in the day, but that's just technology too. Sneaky, uh, really just a quick aside here. Is the worst implant calf implants? Is there a worse implant than that? You mean just from an aesthetic standpoint or a pain standpoint? Aesthetic. Why do you need calf implants? I had a gym teacher in high school that had calf implants and I'm like, that's so weird. Why would you do you that? You had a gym teacher who had calf implants? Yep, true story, true story. Well, I mean, it was kind of rumor, but it was true. I'm pretty sure it was true. I was going to say, did this person admit to this? Also, isn't that kind of cheating if you're touting yourself as, you know, an educator of physical fitness and then you're like, side note, calves enhanced. Well, as a, uh, as a pro plastic surgery podcast, I will say do whatever you want, but I, I just don't understand the aesthetic pleasure of having massive calves. I guess if you're a dude, you wouldn't want that if you're a girl, but I, my legs are skinny as hell. And even if I did like a thousand, whatever pushups working out my calves, they would never get bigger, but I've never once been like, you know what? I want my calves to be double the size they are right now. Never. And, That's so and weird. you know what? I have a lot of girlfriends. I'm a female, so I feel like I can speak to this. I've never met a woman that's like, oh my God, wait till you see my new man, his calves, amazing. Exactly. I, that, it's, <laughs> never, it's the same, not once. It's the same thing we talked about last week where it's like dudes who rev their engines. Girls aren't attracted to that and they're also not attracted to your massively fake calves. Okay, so we've talked about Hamilton. I've done my Disney rant. Let's transition to sports because I feel like we are watching so much TV and consuming all this content because there's no sports in the background. We don't have something to revolve our day around. And Steve, we're in July. Sports is coming back. We are counting down the days until we're in the bubble. We are counting down the days until we're in the, the two hub cities in hockey. We are counting down the days until we have baseball on the TV. So tell me what your thoughts are about sports returning. 
Well, so for me, soccer's already back. European soccer is already mostly back. So for me, it's been back. So it's almost like in the U.S., it's like, all right, you guys are late. Honestly, Uh, you guys have missed sort of the the return here. And I will say I'm not as excited about the NBA's bubble return because I just think it's going to be such a shit show and a wild card. And whoever wins that thing, I guarantee you there's going to be an asterisk book next to it. You take a couple of months off. It's not like you're just going to all of a sudden, like the Bucks, the Lakers, the Clippers, all, all these teams aren't going to be firing on all cylinders. So I don't know. I'm, I'll watch it. I'm certainly excited to watch it. But I, I guess my expectations aren't that high. I am actually kind of high on the, the MLS return, even though one of their teams already can't participate. And another one I think is on the verge of not being able to participate. And they've had a couple of games postponed. Um, but I like the format because it's something at least different. It's like a tournament that has nothing to basically do with their regular season. So it's, it's kind of like a World Cup of MLS teams. So I'll definitely watch that. And the games are at like 8 in the morning and like 8 and 10 at night because it's the middle of summer in Florida and nobody can play during the day because it's going to be 1,000 degrees. So I'm excited about both of them. But I'm, the thing that I'm most interested in, I want to get your perspective, on are the bubbles, right? Because the bubbles are what are making this possible. These teams are going to be quarantined on, uh, speaking of Disney, at Disney World in Orlando, Florida, and they're going to be with their teammates. I think some of their family members can come along. All of their meals will be given to them. They can't really leave. Um, So it's very restrictive. And We've already seen some of the pictures leaking out of food and it's not quite Firefest. I think PFT had like a great tweet or somebody had a great tweet about this. I forget who it was saying to even compare it to Firefest food would be a disservice to fire how much of a shit show Firefest was because it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. These aren't quite as bad, but it's essentially, I think one of the guys posted a picture of a platter and everything on the platter was something you can get out of a vending machine. It was like a bag of Stacy's chips. It was some watermelon. It was just like stuff that's prepackaged, like a prepackaged piece of bread that looked like it had been sitting there for 10 years. So that's, I think, something that's to keep a watch out for. But the one thing I wanted to ask you, because I think you and I kind of might think similarly on this, but I've gone back and forth on it, is would it be fun or would it be the biggest disaster for you to basically be quarantined with a bunch of your friends and coworkers for two months when things are paid for, you're all living down the hall from each other? I've always just like, liked my coworkers. Obviously, you like and dislike some, so I guess it depends where you work. But would that be fun or would it be old in two days? I think it's going to be a cocktail of both. And I think that's assuming that you like your coworkers. Obviously, you and I were coworkers. So yeah, yeah, that could be fun. But I think, Steve, that we got along so well and we continue to get along so well because we have the separation of church and state. We get to chat. We get to work together. And then guess what? When we don't work together, we're not talking to each other. I don't have to see you 24-7. You don't have to see your coworkers 24-7. My co-host here, we have a great relationship, but that's because we unplug from each other. I think life would be very different. I mean, yes, we would probably fight and then hash it out and then be like, you're annoying. I'll see you tomorrow. Go watch Bravo in your room and you play FIFA in your room and we're going to be cool later. But if then we were stuck there for weeks on end and it was just every day, it's oh, there's Michelle. Oh, I'm going to eat. There's Michelle. Who's knocking on my door? Guess what? It's Michelle. You would get annoyed with me so fast, especially especially if you were a professional athlete and you were used to all these other creature comforts in your life and you don't have your sick house and your private chef and your girl there and all of your toys and you're stuck in this hotel in Disney with the Firefest 2.0 elevated meals there and life isn't the way you're used to, and then you've got me chirping in your ear all the time, you would hate me. I would be the direct, (laughs) 
I would be receiving all of your ire and vice versa. And you know that that's true. I know. I'm probably underrating how annoyed I would get because I do get annoyed very quickly by things. And I'm oh, I yeah. that, I'll hate that by myself. I'm very moody, fully admit all of these faults of my own. But I kind of look at it and I go, it's different if you're single and if you're married or in a relationship and your significant other is there with you. Because if you're single, I kind of look at it like it's college. It's going to be shitty food, but you're going to be with a bunch of people. It's going to be probably a good time. How much trouble could you really get into being there? And also, you know, it's only like for a couple of months, right? It's not for the rest of your life. You have to live with these people. So, I mean, I love the college experience. I, I didn't necessarily love all of my roommates, but I had a good time because it was this camaraderie thing and everybody was together. So I kind of look at, I think I would like that part of it. But then I also think you're right. And you're not bunked with some random person. You have your own room. So if you don't want to hang out with someone, you can just go back to your room. So I don't know. I, I kind of think I would enjoy it. I really do because I know it's not permanent. I get where you're coming from, but I also think what you are conditioned to and your normal college experience is completely different than what a professional athlete was conditioned to in their college experience. They weren't eating the terrible turkey subs that look like they came from a bodega at lunchtime, right? Yep. They've got a team trainer and a nutritionist and somebody that's telling them what to eat and cooking it up for them. Basically their post high school life up until now, they've been living a completely different lifestyle. So for them to have to then all of a sudden kind of pull back a little bit and live, like you're saying, essentially a college lifestyle that they never really had to live probably isn't going to be awesome. It's probably going to be very terrible. And I bet we're going to hear about it very quickly about how terrible they think it is. Put me in the camp of like, I just don't want to hear the complaints about it because it's- Of course I mean, you don't. But here's the thing. You're right, because I would take it from a perspective like I would play a shit ton of FIFA. I wouldn't be bored in my room. I wouldn't be. I would never be bored in my room because I would just play FIFA or play 2K or whatever. And I, if I wasn't socializing with other people who were also quarantined again, I would be doing that stuff on my own. So, and the difference, let's be honest, like the elephant in the room, the difference in college, like there aren't co-eds running around that you can go hang out with, you know, whatever, do your thing. So. Right. It's just a bunch of dudes and you're kind of bored and that's probably going to be annoying after a while. And But, but also, let's be honest, not all those teams are going to be there the entire time. Teams are going to get eliminated as well. So it's going to dwindle down. You're probably going to have more space. I don't know. I'm just, I'm looking at it from an optimistic thing of going, all right, say we were working on a show, right, Michelle? And they're like, hey, for a month, you guys are going to have to go to Disney and do shows from Disney. And you're all going to live on the same floor and you can't leave that floor other to do the show like once a day, right? Other than that, you guys are always together. I don't think I would be that mad about that. I really don't you're a liar. You would be so mad. I would give it three days, three days before you were like, get me out of here. I am so annoyed with Michelle. Cause I'd be like, Hey Steve, I'm going down to Starbucks. Do you want to come? Do you want anything? Hey Steve, you know, I'm watching Hamilton in my room. Want to come hang out? I'm the social one. You're more of the reserved one. And I would be bored and pacing the halls and being like, I got to do something. And you're gonna be like, I'm playing FIFA. Leave me alone. You're gonna be like, why is Michelle texting me? Why is Michelle knocking at my door? Why does Michelle want me to go to the gym and work out with her? And I'm, because you have to understand, you're cool with being isolated. A lot of your other teammates on the show are not going to feel the same way. And they're going to yeah. want that community yeah. vibe. You're probably right here. I know. I'm just trying to talk and, and talk up the other side and a little bit play devil's advocate because I've talked about it with even like my guy friends. And because you're talking about the situation with you and I, I have four really close guy friends. We're always on a group chat. We're all from the same hometown. We remain close and we're all big soccer fans. We have a lot in common. But we've always talked about as a group, I don't think we'd be able to live together. I just don't for any period of time. For example, like my bachelor party, we did, I think, I think it was three days, maybe four days, three nights. I think it was. And when that time was up, everybody needed to go their separate ways. That we had about maxed out the time we had before shit was going to hit the fan. 
So you're probably right. Even if you're friendly with a lot of these people, that doesn't mean that you necessarily can live together and be in the same small space together. And I think even though you're, you have outlets to where you can FaceTime your family and you have other people you could call and communicate with, other than when you're playing the games or in our scenario when you would be actually doing the shows, okay, you have a lot of downtime. You're going to have downtime in the morning. You're going to have a lot of downtime in the afternoon. You're going to have downtime at night. And there's only so much of the day that you're going to want to read a book or play FIFA or FaceTime with your family. And so you're going to want to get out. But then it's like Groundhog Day every day where you're hanging out with the same people. I know how I feel being stuck in St. Louis and not having traveled for seven months and I am climbing the walls Mm -hmm. and I'm still allowed to go out in the world and interact with other people and I'm itching to go do something. I can't imagine if I was in a bubble scenario and it was just like every day there is Steve. Oh my gosh, there's whoever else every day, same people that I'm hanging out with every day. And I know a lot of NBA players get along and so they're going to kick it with people from other teams and whatnot, but it's still, it's, And think about the further you get down the line and it's like, oh, my buddy from that team is leaving. Oh, my FIFA partner from that team is leaving. And now it's just Michelle again. We are down to Michelle again. Yeah. (laughs) I have no other options. What is happening? All right. You're probably right here, but let me ask you one thing. And I'm spinning it a little bit because I I want to change it a little bit into the college scenario. If you can go back... Because I know everyone, oh, they can go back in college and in time, they would do their four years over again because you were a different person back then. You just had different standards for everything, really. Like, totally. like you know, sleeping on a, a twin bed wasn't a huge deal. That was uncomfortable. No. Would you want to relive the college experience now as a someone in their early 30s? And how long do you think you would want to do that for? I think for a year, if I can go back and live in a dorm, I think I would still do that. I think it'd be fun. Okay, caveats here. Are you going back to your college and are you going with your college friends? I think you're going back to whatever college you want to go to. So your college, yeah, so you go to Illinois, you go mm-hmm. back to Champaign. And I would want it to be like somewhat realistic where it's not just all your friends would be a great time. You'd hang out for a year. No, you know, money wasn't a thing. You're all living together. I think you'd have to throw in a couple of rando roommates, but your friends were around. They were in other dorm near you. Okay. Now are all of the other people in this orbit also adults in college or am I the adult yes. at Disney looking creepy there alone? All adults. No, no, no. You wouldn't be the early thirties with a bunch of other like 17, 18 year old freshmen. For example, just take your freshman year, whoever your roommate, like your entire floor moves back into the same dorm for a year. I think Steve, I would get alcohol poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you took me and my girlfriends and you said, Hey, we are going to put you back in college for two weeks and you're going to live in your sorority house. The campus is yours. All of your guy friends from college who are now adults are also going to be there. They're going to be living next door like they were. And you can just live the college experience again. But as adults, it would be like dumping an entire vat of gasoline and then lighting a match and walking away. We are adults with a lot of responsibilities. And I think to think that we would not have to worry about anything for two weeks and we could just rage and party and hang out and play beer pong together. It would be, it would be like Vegas. It would be like Vegas, but on a college campus. I think I would do it. Oh, I would hundred percent do it. It'd be awesome. But just like Vegas, it would get old really quick. I think you're right. If you're saying, at least one semester. I think even one semester might be pushing it. Like, I don't think you want to. Yeah, I think, I think that'd be it. But if you said for a couple of weeks, I got to, and I, listen, for me at Quinnipiac, 
our floor. So I, I was on the first floor of a building called Ledges and we were kind of out of the way and our floor had a lot of storage on it. So there were only about six rooms on that floor. Most of them had dozens of rooms. And so we were all kind of a close knit group and I like still keep in touch with a lot of those guys today. So I know if all those guys kind of went back now, I think it would be okay. And one of my buddies, Mike, who is still one of my friends now, lived down the hall from me. It was like, it was great. So I think it would be fine. We would have a ton of FIFA tournaments. We would play a shit ton of drinking games. It would be awesome. <laughs> and I think that'd be super fun. And I, honestly, I think someone should create this. This should be a reality show. Adult college. You send all these middle-aged people back to school. And it's almost like real world mixed with Big Brother in a way. But I don't know. I guess you wouldn't go to class, though. So that would be the problem. Like, you wouldn't have anything to do. What would you do? I guess, would you work? You still have your job. You would just work remotely, but you would live in a dorm. Yeah, I would want to go to class. I think going to class oh, I would too. as an adult would be awesome. I'd but be how- like, wait, I get to learn something. The only responsibility I have today is to learn something. That would be awesome. I know. And remember in college when you're like, oh, 8 a.m. class. I can't. Oh. Like, it's too early. And now you're like, oh, 8 a.m. Let's go. I, every 8 a.m. class would be awesome. But yeah, think about that, that that was our biggest concern is, okay, I'm going to get drunk tonight. Can I make it to 8 a.m. lecture tomorrow? Yeah. And, what, and, how, what's the latest I can possibly sleep in? Okay, it's a 23-minute walk. Class is at 8. If I get up at 7.20, do I have time to grab a, a jug of water and a rice cake and make it? And you don't have to get – you can wear sweatpants. You can literally wake up and just go. I don't know. They always say youth is wasted on the young. I feel like that is 100% true in this case here. But uh, Think about us in college. Well, guys are the same now, but girls, we would roll out of bed, throw our hair up, and wear like, yoga pants or whatever. Now if I got hammered with my girlfriends and my guy friends in college and had to get up at 8 a.m., I would look like a river monster. It would oh. not – Hangovers would be a, hang, hangovers would be the biggest problem. You just wouldn't be able to recover. You just couldn't possibly drink that much. It's just physically, you're, the biology of the young human body versus someone who's in their early 30s, it's just not going to work out. If I get hammered one night, it's going to be a couple of days before I'm probably drinking again. I now have realized that I just have no tolerance. As an adult, I don't know what has happened. College Michelle would look at current Michelle with contempt and disdain. She would be like, you weakling, two glasses of wine and you have a headache the next day. I am ashamed and embarrassed. Grow up. Grow up. Like I literally wrong? am grown up. So what do you want me to do anyway? I don't know what happens to the adult body where it's like, oh, remember those years of binge drinking that you accrued? They don't matter anymore. Even if I'm going to drink, Steve, I have to have an action plan the next day. I have to be like, okay, I've got the liquid IV ready to go. We are scheduling a nap time with some downtime the next day. We've got popsicles in the freezer just in case. It's miserable. Yeah. That's just makes you think. Do you remember the first time that you were ever like, oh shit, this is an adult hangover? Great question. And I think the answer is yes. And I think it was when I went to an out-of-town wedding and Sunday was a near-death drive back from Chicago. And then day two Monday at work was equally as painful. I know. And I remember being like, wow, the recovery time, not the same. I don't really have a memory of one, but I remember it was probably like in my late 20s and I was living in West Hartford, obviously working at ESPN, still not a ton of responsibility. And, you know, you're used to like Friday night, Saturday night, even Sunday night, and then maybe pick a night in the week, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. And you're just like, oh, like I can't really do this anymore. This is not going to be a sustainable thing for my health going forward uh, if I want to be a, a productive member of my job and just be a healthy human being. But I don't know if I have a specific event, but now, now I pick and choose which alcohols I know that I aren't going to give me a great hangover because I don't drink a lot of beer because beer just knocks you out. Back in the day, that's all we would drink. You drink beer, you play beer pong, that's your go-to thing. And now if I have more than two beers, that's like a wild night. 
crack it open the third beer. Don't get crazy now. But I'll make drink. I'll have drink drinks, and I'll drink. I love. I love bourbon. You know. You know. I love mezcal. But I'll drink things like that. I'm not really a big wine guy. But I am not drinking more than two beers voluntarily. No way. <laughs> yeah. Imagine playing beer pong now. Imagine playing beer pong and having to go do anything at eight a.m. the next day. <sighs> I recently read an article. I forget if it was like the New York Times or somebody, but. They were like, oh, what's the future of beer pong on college campuses in a post-COVID yeah. world? And I'm like, the same as it was before? You think college kids fucking care about, about me? I know it's like shitty to say, but no college kid is going to be like, hmm, maybe I won't play beer pong tonight because of COVID. Like, they're just going to do what they do. That's how it works. I know I would have done that. It's stupid, but it's not going to change. Sorry, spoiler alert for you guys. Here's the future. You're going to fill up the cups that you're throwing the ball into with water, and you're going to have cups lined up on the side that are filled with beer. And I'm going to throw it. I'm going to sink it. You're going to chug your beer on the other side. Hey, New York Times, give me a call. I have solved the future of beer pong in a corona world. Yeah. What we used to do is you'd have 10 water cups, and you would just have to finish a beer by the time all your cups were gone. Each person would have to finish one beer, right? So you could, you could drink it as so fast as you could drink it. You could drink it as fast or as slow as you want. Like if you waited till the end, you just had to chug it at the end. But it actually was pretty sanitary, I guess, when you think about it. Do people play beer pong with spiked seltzers now? I wonder. I mean, we're just out of the game, so I don't know. No. Is that a thing? Are there people like filling up cups with light claws and playing beer pong? Because then Either you're going to see. You know it's a yes. You know it's a yes. But then they're clear. So you're going to see every little piece of dirt and speck in there. Like, I don't know if I could do that. Because with beer, it's like, I don't know. It's yellow. You can't really see all the dirt in there. It's, it's not a big deal. Steve, you know that there's no laws when you're drinking claws. You think you're three claws deep and you're caring about particles in the cup. The answer is you're not. That's a good call. I, I, the amount of times I looked in the cup that I drank playing beer pong was, I could count that on one hand, I'd imagine. Yeah, think about it. You're drinking the <laughs> cup and you're looking at your partner and you're saying, lock it up. Yeah, lock not, it up. The last thing I was worried about was what was in that cup. It was more about what rack do we want? Are we going to do diamond, diamond plus totally. one? Do you rack at five? No, the answer is always no. You never rack. Never five. Um, but yes, that, you're right. The last thing I'm thinking of is what is in my cup, which is probably the first thing you should be thinking of, but no big deal. That's why you're in college. Anyway. But now that we're talking about this potential idea of the reality show, can we even do that in a COVID world? Can you even go back and live in the dorms? Can we even go back and drink yeah. the way we used to? Can we even go back and play beer pong the way that we used to? Which makes me even more grateful that I had my college experience when I did, because I really do have a lot of empathy for college kids right now. I know yeah. a lot of college kids out there are just saying, forget it. And they're going about their lives the way that they normally would, but that's problematic as we're saying. But I can't imagine it being my senior year of college, these kids that are going in and might not even get to go to campus and hang out with their friends. Like if you go to college and they're saying, hey, definitely fall semester, we're doing video classes, teleclasses, mm -hmm. that sucks. That really sucks. It does. I felt bad for the seniors last year Mm -hmm. because your senior week at the end is genuinely one of the most fun things. It's one of the most fun things that I ever did in college. The school planned a bunch of different things that we went to. We went to like concerts. We went to uh, Mohegan Sun, which is a casino. What else did we do? We, they just set up a bunch of things. You lived in the dorms again, which we hadn't done since freshman year. Oh, cool. that, that was genuinely one of the most fun things that you did. And there's really no way to sort of make that up, right? Because you're just gone. If I was, I'll say this, if I was a freshman, and I think a lot of people are doing this, I would just defer a year. Like, I would be like, okay, you accepted me. I'm not coming this year. I'll just take a gap year. We'll figure some stuff out. Obviously, you know, if people are lucky enough to be able to do that. But I would just be like, no, I'm going to take this year off and we'll see where we are in 2021. Did you see that Harvard is doing virtual classes, but you still have to pay 40 grand in tuition? My parents would be like, get out of here. I am well, not paying 40 grand for you to take video classes. There's no, and live in my house. There's no way. It is ridiculous. But I mean, let's be honest, Harvard, you're paying for the name, right? So 
I get why they wouldn't put a discount on that. Cause you're like, Hey, it's Harvard. So you put that on your resume, you're going to get probably a bunch of jobs that you wouldn't get if you went to some other school. So of course we're going to charge you 50 grand a year. Still who cares either. We don't care if you don't want to come, don't come. We'll just find somebody else. Yeah. There's a waiting list out the door. If you don't want to pay the 40 grand. Yeah. But part of that, in addition to the name though, is the people you meet and the networking that you're able to do when you're there. And so if that's taken away, do you really think that the name is going to carry that much more weight for you to take video classes? I mean, these are things that I would be asking as an adult parent being like, really 40 grand a year yeah, for video my, classes. Yeah. And I still have to have you in the basement annoying me all the time. Doesn't seem like a great deal on my end. Go to community college or state school for a year or two, get to keep the tuition down. Then you can go to Harvard for the next two years when this thing clears up. There you go. Done. Problem solved. But then you also think about kids that are deferring a year. What if this goes on longer than we expect? And then you're deferring and deferring and deferring and you might never get the college experience you hoped you were going to get. So that's a, you know, that's a gamble too, Steve. Well, I'd probably cap it at a year. Like, I don't think I would defer more than a year, but you know, I don't know. Cause I, sometimes I think of, I don't know if I would have wanted to do it, but I think the idea of taking a gap year after high school is actually kind of cool. I don't know if I would have changed. I didn't, I don't know if I would change that, but I, I'm sort of more open to it the older I get to be like, oh yeah, all right. Let's try to figure, cause making a decision. I mean, this isn't anything new and groundbreaking, but like making a decision of what you want to do at that age. I don't know. I still don't even know what I want to do when I'm 31 years old. So I don't, what do you want me to do? I don't know. I think I would be more inclined to take a gap year after I graduated because you go straight from high school. I don't want to live with my parents anymore. I want to go yeah. hang out with my friends and party and drink and go to football games and whatnot. But after college, going straight into the workforce sucks. Well, you're 100% a backpack. You're a person post-college. I could see that. That's, oh, that's, no, that's I a, am not. That's you a heavy, mich that's a heavy machine a, move. No, it is not. You couldn't be more often there, Steve. I am not a backpack anywhere, girl. All right. Well, not like literally backpack, but I could see you in Europe for an extended period of time, post-grad, being like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, this is just my life now. I'm, I'll figure this stuff out later. You know what I would do is I would move to the Amalfi Coast, Steve, and I would live in like a tiny little hut, and I would be a bartender at one of those amazing hotels there. So you'd basically be like the European Italian version of Tom Cruise and Cocktail? Yeah, 100%. And I thought have, about it. <laughs> I thought about it. Yeah. What's wrong with that? You have but no they, stress, no stress in your life whatsoever. Yeah, you're, right, you're not making a lot of money, but you're in one of those beautiful places in the world. And here you go. Trust me, I thought about it. I actually think you make more money than you think because if I'm at uh, Le Serenuse, one of the most beautiful hotels in Positano, and I'm a waitress and I'm an American waitress that speaks English, who's coming through there? Okay. Yes, I'm. Um, well-to-do Italians, but it's mostly Americans and other European tourists. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like, hey, what's up? Chatty, chatty. And talking about vacation and, oh, let me take your Instagram pictures. Oop, let's do another one. Get those angles right, girl. Yeah. You know I'm getting a big tip. So yeah. I actually think you could do pretty well there. And now I'm kind of bummed that I didn't do that. I know. Four years of college down the drain. You could have just moved to Italy and become a bartender and it'd be awesome. Is that know. my next play right now? I mean. Tr trust me. I have thought about it many, many times because you could go to school for four years, spend a ton of money and try to get a job that you really like, or you can just know that you're going to have a pretty cool lifestyle and you're going to work a lot of nights and weekends. And maybe it's not going to be easy all the time, but you're going to be in a beautiful place. And the only thing is I'm sure that gets old fast. I'm sure it gets old fast. It's like being on vacation. I remember my honeymoon two weeks in Hawaii. It sounded awesome. It was, trust me, it was, it was awesome. I'm not trying to sit here and say like, Oh, poo poo it or anything. But by the end of that two weeks, you're kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm like ready to like live a normal life again. And I think if you're living in a place like that or a vacation destination, you're a bartender. I don't know if more than a year in, you'd be like, all right, is, really, is this really all that I have to do in life? I don't know. I kind of feel like that would be in the back of my mind. See, this is where we differ, Steve. I thrive in the leisure culture. 
having the only thing for me to do every day is to shower, get ready, and pour some cocktails for some people and live in paradise. I mean, imagine how amazing my tan would be. I really missed my calling it's now true. that we're actually talking this through. But Hey, we're still young. We can still do it. I'm just saying. I don't know. We'll see how things go. Okay. Before we wrap up our sports convo, actually, we very much got off the sports chat, but that's initially where we were going down on this road. Steve, I have to give you your weekly Colton Wong fun fact. Oh, my boy. Yes, my favorite player. Let's go. Yeah, now that I've assigned you a favorite player on the Cardinals and you've committed to watching three games, we're in July. So I need to give you some fun facts about your favorite player. Really quick before you do that, do you have a favorite soccer player? Um, I like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, mm, not a fan. Not a fan. I only like him because he loves himself. He's very arrogant and he's really annoying, but I'm surprised because you don't seem, that's not like your personality, but he, he does love himself. Your I only get him in small doses. You know, I don't watch him on a regular basis. That's true. All right. It's an acceptable answer. I just disagree. Anyway, go ahead with your Colton facts. So hold on. Will you assign me a favorite soccer player? Um, Choose wisely because I did a very good job for you. I'm just trying to think of checklist things for Michelle. Obviously, he's got to be good. He has to be stylish. Um, totally. Is there a certain country you'd like to be in? Italy, England, France? Let's do in that order, Italy, England, France. Those are the power rankings. I think it's probably going to be easiest for me to pick a team that's in England because the EPL is the easiest to follow. I'm trying to go through the big six teams right now. Uh, I can feel the pressure radiating off of you. I'm trying to think of somebody who would be good, who would be really good. Not Harry Kane. You wouldn't like Antoine Griezmann. He's too pretty. What? Uh, I love him already. No, but he goes in between this like grunge and pretty thing. It's very strange. And he's French. He's definitely kind of a weird guy. Mm. This is harder than I thought it would be. Do you want to marinate on it and come back? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. It seems like, Steve, I know you better than you know me because I came up with a Cardinals player for you to love in like 30 seconds. Well, I'm just very picky. Well, if you gave me one team, I'd be like, and I was forced to pick someone from one team, I think I'd be able to do it. But you're affording me the entire soccer universe. I could pick anyone in those three countries. That's a lot of pressure. Come back to me. I'll think of one at the end. Okay. Well, Steve, we are in the month of July. And now that I've assigned you a favorite Cardinals player and you already love Colton Wong, do you remember, some, do you remember what I told you about Colton Wong last week? Well, the thing I know about Colton Wong is he is Hawaiian. He's got like, some interesting tattoos, the Polynesian tattoos. He plays second base, and that's pretty much all I know. And he won a gold glove. Remember we talked about gold that? Gold glove. Gold glove. Yes. Okay. Okay. So remember how I said I assigned you Colton Wong because of his style and because of his personality and because he's very good? I thought about things that would endear you personally to Colton Wong. Okay. So my two fun facts this week are about him – uh, and they're kind of stories about him that I think will make you really identify yourself in Colton Wong. Okay. All right. I'm excited. Okay, Steve. Fun fact number one, in game four of the 2013 World Series, Colton Wong was a 22-year-old rookie. And in the ninth inning of game four, they put Colton Wong in as a pinch runner. Homeboy gets picked off at first base oh. to end the game. And he is devastated. I mean, the camera pans into his face and you can just see he is mortified. He is crushed. But after the game, Steve, he tweeted out an apology to Cardinal Nation and he was crying and he met the media and was like, I am so sorry. I just feel terrible about this. He wasn't afraid to show his emotions and he took responsibility for that moment, even though it was obviously an accident and it was the last thing on earth he would want to do. And so he went from being a rookie that got picked off to lose a World Series game to last year, Steve, a gold glove winning infielder. 
Well, you know, I love to hear that because you know how I feel about accountability. I feel like guys that take accountability, those are the kind of people that you want to be around. You don't want people blaming things on other people or just shying away from any sort of controversy when anything goes wrong. So uh, the fact that he is my favorite player and I'm learning this new fact about him makes me love him even more. So great start. Great start. And not only that, I know that you would appreciate that he's man enough to admit that he was crying and show some emotion to the public and to the fan base, because I think a lot of players would try to shield that and maybe get a little defiant or act tough. But he was like, I am devastated. I feel terrible. And I just really appreciated that vulnerability out of him. I agree. Whenever like you could tell like who the captains of teams are and who what guys actually have it all put together upstairs when they can eloquently talk about things in agonizing defeat, like after an agonizing defeat. I know a lot of people like made a lot about the Cam Newton Super Bowl thing and it is what it is. He didn't handle it super well. I always sort of admire guys that when they screw up or their team loses or things aren't going well, they're just as likely to go in front of a camera and talk about it as they are when they're winning. Those are the guys that you want to be around. 100% agree. Okay, my second Colton Wong fun fact is kind of in that same vein. So I gave you the, hey, I got picked off to end a World Series game. I am devastated. That's what people are going to remember me by. He's turned it around. He wins a gold glove. Well, let's harken back to a year and a half ago. He had a manager in Mike Matheny that didn't play him every day. If he was at playing inconsistently, he knew that he wouldn't get the call. And he said pretty publicly and to his manager, hey, I need to know that I'm playing every day because that messes with my head. And I need the confidence back because of what happened in my career to know that I'm not going to lose my spot. I need to know that if I mess up, I'm still going to be here every day. And he wasn't getting that with Mike Matheny. So Mike Matheny gets fired. The new manager, Mike Schilt, comes in, who has managed in the minors, and he and Colton Wong have a great relationship. And he understands that he needs to manage personalities different. And so he says, Colton, you have the skill set. You're going to be a great player. I'm going to play you every day and I'm going to watch you blossom into this awesome player. And very publicly again, Colton Wong said, he gave me the confidence that I needed to know, Hey, this is my job. I'm not going to lose it. And what happens, Steve? He goes out, he wins a gold glove. And a lot of, I think older baseball fans kind of looked at that and they were like millennial attitude. He shouldn't have to worry about if he's playing every day, he should just go out there and do the job that he's assigned when he's assigned it. And I really appreciated not only the manager for saying, Hey, I have to manage people differently, but for Colton Wong to, as a guy kind of our age to say, Hey, don't manage me the way you would manage somebody else. Everybody's got to be handled differently. This is what I need to succeed. The fact that he put up those guardrails and said, this is what I need in order to do my job. And then guess what? He got it and he flourished. Uh, always the power of positive thought, right? Of being like, okay, you can do this. You, it's amazing when people, if you tell someone that they're good in it, you give them positive reinforcement. It's like a parenting tip, not that this is a parenting podcast. Because I know that I can be negative sometimes and I try to look at it through a lens and be like, okay, but you have to give some people positive reinforcement. When you're working with different show groups or whatever, you can't always just be like, no, that sucks. You have to be like, all right, maybe it's not that way, but try it a different way. So it's good to hear that. It's good that he was open enough to understand that that's what he needed. Because I think a lot of people don't understand what they actually need to be successful too. So the fact that he did know that and was that vocal about it, I'll tell you what, this guy, the more you talk about this guy, the more I'm falling in love. I told you, this is when I said, I guarantee you I can assign you a player that you'll like. And immediately I thought of Colton Long, not only because he has the style, not only because he's a great defensive player and he's going to give you those wow, razzle-dazzle plays all the time. But then the more I thought about it in that quick moment, I thought he's a millennial who's not afraid to be himself. Mm -hmm. He's not afraid to say, 
these are my emotions. He's not afraid to say, this is what I need to succeed. And I really respect that out of him. And I knew you would too, Steve. I knew you would. You're going to enjoy watching him in those three games. I'm is he? You. Yeah, it's three, just three games. Is he your favorite? Who's your favorite player? I'm, why is he not your favorite player? Well, mine is tied for first, as the great Tony LaRusso would say, Yadier Molina. Oh, okay. Okay. Isn't he gone? No, he's not gone. Or he was maybe, no, he maybe is gone. Not gone. Okay. I thought there wasn't there a rumor gone. about him being gone. I don't know. Anyway, His contract is coming up and he did say Ooh. that if the Cardinals didn't want to bring him back, he would be open to playing elsewhere. We don't speak of it. Okay. We will bet. cross that bridge when we get there, but Yadier Molina, Hall of Famer, some would argue greatest catcher in history. He is so tough and so fiery and he is so good in so many ways that don't show up in a stat sheet. He's got neck tats. He's like, don't even look at me the wrong way or I'm going to come after you. I mean, there's a lot of things that I love about Yadier Molina. And then my other favorite Cardinals player is Jack Flaherty, their ace pitcher, young stud. Um, He's got this roiling intensity. He reminds me of Chris Carpenter, who's my favorite Cardinals player of all time. Bob Gibson and Chris Carpenter are his mentors. I mean, what more could you possibly want? And he's got lights out stuff. He had the best second half in baseball last year. I mean, he had a 0.91 ERA, Steve. 0.91 ERA in the second half. He was unbelievable. Even I know how good that is. What's up? Baseball facts. (laughs) But I am a big Colton Wong fan. I think he's amazing. And I think he should definitely get more shine nationally. All right. Fair enough. All right, what we got? What else? I, that's Off it. Here. I only have two oh. per week. I'm giving you two per week. I don't want to inundate you, Steve. I've got to gently roll this in. Okay, well, this is good because I have figured out who you should be a fan of in soccer, who should be your, your number one player. Now, this actually may be somewhat controversial because he plays for Barcelona, FC Barcelona, which is one of the biggest clubs in the world. He's not Lionel Messi because I don't want to pick the best player on the team. I feel like you are a person who definitely loves Barcelona, right? I was there once. It was a great time. It strikes me as a Michelle city. I've only been there once too. And it's, it's love just like, incre- love the art. I could see you loving Gaudi currently. Uh, actually, yeah, I'm reading a historical fiction book about Gaudi right now. Anyway, sidestep for a different day. PK, I'm going with Gerard PK. I don't know if you know who he is at all, but he is yeah. married. He's married to Shakira. Okay. He plays center back for Barcelona. Everybody loves Shakira. Like who doesn't love Shakira? He, I think he's a good looking dude. Very stylish. Plays for Barcelona. One of the best teams in the world. He's been there for almost a decade. He is a World Cup winner. He is a Champions League winner. He's won La Liga many times, so he's an absolute winner. I believe he is the – he's not the captain because Messi's the captain, but like he is genuinely one of the leaders on that team, and that's the kind of guy that I think you would want, someone who's a leader, a leader Definitely. who takes control of a room, right? And he also, he also plays center back, which is – it's not a flashy position, but it's a really, really important position. And he's been a staple for that team for like, like I said, about a decade. So everything about Gerard PK to me is like Michelle. So I think he is the guy that you should root for. Now he's a little bit older. He's 33. So he's only probably going to be playing for, I don't know, maybe another couple of years, at least at, at his highest level. But I think the Shakira factor being a, a guy at Barcelona and just kind of his overall style, the way he looks, he to me is right up Michelle's alley. I just looked him up. I'm a fan. Yeah, no, he's a good looking dude. He's definitely a good looking dude. Um, so you are a new Colton Wong fan. I am a new Gerard PK fan. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Maybe I'll do some PK facts next week, although I don't think many people will care about that. You really think uh, a lot of our listening audience is dying for Colton Wong fun facts, Steve? I will say, shouts out to the power of small talk. I've had two guys reach out to me because I do the soccer pod now with my buddies, which we've just gotten started. It's mostly for fun. We're just bored, whatever. We want to talk about soccer. And I've had two people say, hey, I followed you over from small talk looking for a soccer podcast. What's up? So we do have soccer fans here on small talk. So what's up? What's up? And you know, we do have St. Louis people listening. So the Colton Long Pong facts will play with some. That's right. And yeah, St. Louis, uh, what is it? St. Louis FC? Taylor Twelman, the fighting Taylor Twelmans. Let's go. 
St. Louis FC, shout out. I'll get <laughs> yeah. you a scarf, buddy. You can hang it up. We'll take that scarf down that you have up there and we'll get you an STLFC scarf. Yeah, that's a, just a Premier League generic scarf. I, I, need, I need a real one. I need a good one. I need more swag. Although this one up here is a U.S. one. I can't that down. That's a good one. Well, that flag in the back, we can put an STLFC scarf. We could do that. That's my Everton flag, but that, Everton sucks. It's fine. They're my favorite team, but they're not any good. So totally fine swapping that out. Okay, done. I will mail you an STLFC flag, or excuse me, scarf. What are the colors? Green, navy blue, white. Okay, interesting. Very, not I, very you. Not what I would think of for St. Louis. Green and navy blue. But I like that. I like the combination. I'll take a scarf because I collect scarves. I'll do, I'll do scarves. Okay, consider it in the mail. Consider Love it done. It. Okay, well, I guess, Steve, the only thing left on the docket here, because I literally have a little list here, is the shout-out corner. We're going to end this podcast with the shout-out corner. So who wants to go first? You want me to go first or you? I've got two. So how? what do you have? Maybe you go first because you have more than me, I think. You know what? I've got four. Okay. Well, sorry. Okay. You go first and last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll just bookend this thing because, yeah, I honestly could have like 16. I feel like I've been in a better mood lately, so I just really want to shout out a bunch of things. Okay. I'm going to start the shout out corner, giving a shout out to Walgreens, Steve, because- oh, okay. <laughs> Random? I, not exactly what you thought I was going to kick this off with, but I recently went to Walgreens and I did the drive through COVID test. Oh, okay. I didn't tell you this, that I got a COVID test. I knew you didn't have COVID. I knew you were getting the test just in case, but I don't think I ever heard the final result. I assumed the silence meant that you didn't have it. Yes, you assumed correctly. Okay, I, am, I am negative for COVID, but I've been dealing with these allergy issues and I had a friend come in town and stay with me from New York who had been you know, traveling. And I also was out at a dinner in St. Louis recently. And even though we sat outside and we were socially distanced, I had heard that a place nearby, someone had tested positive. And so there's just kind of all of these things going on. And even though I had consulted with a doctor who was like, Hey dummy, these are allergies. You don't have COVID. I thought to myself, one cannot be too careful in these yeah. times. And especially because I Google it and every possible symptom, you could, you could convince yourself that if you woke up one day and sneezed once that you might have it. And I just did not want to be the person that unknowingly had it and was going around other people and potentially exposing them to this. So anyway, to make a long story short, I Googled, how do I get a COVID test near me? That Walgreens was like, hey, we have a drive-through center. Sign up here. And you do this quick questionnaire and they assign you a time. You get a confirmation number and then you go to this special lane. Somebody in the full suit with a mask comes up and says, show me your confirmation number, your ID. Very easy. They already had all my information and all my stuff printed out. And then I, they check me in and I drive forward to the next person again in kind of like the Breaking Bad hazmat suit with the mask. And they slide this thing to you that has paperwork about COVID and they put it in this little basket and you pick it up and inside is a, a swab that you peel out and you do it in your nose five times this way, five times that way. And they're monitoring you to make sure that you put it up high enough. And it was uncomfortable, but it was fine. And then you put it back and then you slide it back to them and they're like, cool, cool. Here's some tissues. If you need it, we'll email you in like an hour. And sure enough, I was going over to my parents' house, which is about a half hour away from where I was. By the time I got there, I had an email, test results, you're negative, good to go. It was so seamless, so easy, and I was just very pleasantly surprised with the smoothness of the process. So shout out Walgreens. Shout out Walgreens. I still thought testing was kind of a shit show, so that seems like pretty straightforward. Um, 
I mean, honestly, I yeah, I don't liar, but it was easy for me. Yeah, there's a Walgreens down the street for me. I mean, I've never, I've always kind of been interested in the antibody test, not necessarily the test because the antibody thing, but people don't even know if that's real or not. So I don't, I was like, what's the point of even doing this test? It doesn't matter. Right. But I mean, shouts out Walgreens. Typically, I go to Walgreens to get like the big Arnold Palmer iced teas, but also your home for COVID tests. So what's up? They're multi-purpose. They do a lot of things. They're helping a lot of people. And now that we're here, shout out Arnold Palmer. Is there any drink that is more satisfying on a hot summer day than an Arnold Palmer? No. Iced tea is so fucking delicious. Oh my God. It hits your lips and you are literally like, how did I even go through today without drinking an iced tea up until this point? It's the best of the cold sugary drinks. Don't get me wrong. I like soda. I don't, I really don't drink a lot of soda, but I do love a good fountain. Coca-Cola is literally it'll like make your entire day better but iced tea for me is number one most versatile thing so for me for a normal palmer i'm like probably two-thirds iced tea one-third lemonade i'm very heavy on the iced tea we are simpatico because i want just I a splash of lemonade just a splash yeah just a splash i like a non-sweetened iced tea on ice with a lemon on top splash of lemonade yep 100 percent. oh actually, my god i am salivating i want it right now you that's exactly how i would make my own palmer so we're here we are we're i mean i shouldn't be surprised that we're like but that is if you're wondering how to make the perfect Arnold palmer you just described how to do it yeah heads up we just told you okay we just see, perfected it kicking all right it to you, shout out corner all right one of my two here i want to shout out unsolved mysteries uh have you ever do you remember the show <laughs> do, you, do you remember the show back in the day <laughs> Now, don't laugh. It's it's. I'm serious. Do you remember the show back in the day? Yeah, I do. I remember with, Unsolved Mysteries with that. 90s. Yeah, with that guy and that weird theme song, and there was always these weird yeah. stories about people disappearing and murders. I love that shit. I love that shit. You well, did? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I don't really like Didn't remember it, but I remember. I remember the theme, and like I remember watching it. So yeah, so it's back on Netflix. There's a new one. I've watched two episodes so far. Both of them were great. They do a great job kind of like paying tribute to the old one. They have a theme, but they've modernized it a little bit. And the two ones I saw last night were like this guy basically fell off of a building and they didn't know if it was suicide or not. And they had no idea how it happened. So it's just a really cool mystery thing. And the other one was this woman disappeared while she was at work and nobody knows basically how it happened. So they, it's literally just unsolved mysteries because I think a lot of times nowadays, everyone wants to turn a mystery into like a three-part or four-part docu-series and they're always two hours longer than they should be. The good thing about unsolved mysteries is just like 45 minutes you're in you're out you know the whole story and you don't need any of this extra bullshit that a lot of these documentaries give you so first off shout out unsolved mysteries love that they're back not only is it shout a shout out it's also a plus content wow we're getting a double dose here on small talk yeah first of all did not take you for a true crime guy loved it yeah love it love it always um number two as someone who watches probably in an unhealthy amount of dateline. I hate <laughs> the datelines where at the end, you don't know the outcome. I want to yeah. know who did it. I want to know what happened at the trial. I want to know what the sentencing was. I want the update with the phone call from Keith Morrison in jail saying the appeal process is taking longer than I expected, but I'm going to be exonerated for this. I don't want there to be any loose ends. So I think while you're shouting out Unsolved Mysteries, I think I would hate it because I would watch it and be like, 45 minutes and I still don't know the answer here? Well, I think the original point of the show was like to bring light to see if there are any more witnesses or people that can solve the problem, can help. It's literally like a public cry. So at the end of those episodes, now these episodes are like, hey, if you have any information or if you, if you have anything that you could basically help us solve this case or any information that we might not have, 
email or call this number. And I do believe back in the day, they did solve mysteries because of the show. Now, I don't know about any of the current one because it just came out, but that's sort of the purpose of it. So I'm typically with you, but then I also, I also kind of like formulating my own theory of what actually happened because they present all the evidence to you, but there's just no conclusion. And they, they typically present a bunch of different sides. For example, the one of the guy that fell off the building, they were basically like, well, it's impossible if he jumped off here. It's impossible if he jumped off here. There was really no explanation. So it's kind of up to you to sort of imagine how you think it happened. And so I actually kind of like that. Typically, I'm with you. I want, I want there to be some finality and there to be an ending to it. But this is a nice little change of pace. And it doesn't take too much, up too much of your time. So Unsolved Mysteries, what's up? To your point about the culture that we live in and the internet slews. I mean, look at Joe Exotic and everything that happened as a result of that. Or this Jeffrey Epstein thing that we're saying the woman, Ghislaine Maxwell, now get arrested and mm -hmm. all of this stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of these unsolved mysteries, if people watch it, if all of a sudden they're like, I'm gonna get invested in this and I'm gonna do some digging of my own or, or people who may not be aware of the stories and might have information come forward. Yeah, and I always wonder like how they find these stories. Like the people, the producers of the show, how do they search for these stories? It's amazing to me. Anyway, go watch the show. Okay, Unsolved Mysteries. I will check it out, even though it sounds like something that will frustrate me. Um, okay, next one, Steve. Kind of a sad one, but I just want to shout out Mac Miller. RIP Mac Miller. I have been in a heavy, heavy Mac Miller rotation recently. And... I don't know why, but my July quarantine vibe is just kind of like the chill rap divine feminine of Mac Miller. And it's so sad that he died. I'm like ashamed that I didn't listen to a lot of Mac Miller and I, that I haven't. I, I know a couple songs here and there and I know that I would like him a lot. But you ever have like an artist um, that you just you know you like them, but you've never, you just haven't really dived into a lot of their catalog. For whatever reason, that's Mac Miller for me. So you're like uh -huh. the second or third person that's really, really been like, you need to check out Mac Miller. And obviously, even more so now that he's died. Um, so I can't really say that I agree with you because I don't necessarily know, but I kind of feel like I'd be on the same page as you here. Okay, I'm going to give you three songs, okay? Right, Get a pen ready. Down. Get okay. a pen ready. I'll, I'll type them out. What do we got? Kool-Aid and frozen pizza. I love both of those things. Classic um, nostalgia jam. I'm going, okay, I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of you and what you would like, not necessarily what I would pick. Pick Weekend. I pick Weekend featuring Miguel. Okay. You'll like that one. And, ooh, so many options here. I'm going to go, I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Gosh, I don't know. I've been really good on my recommendations for you recently, so I don't want to screw this up. I'm going to go Dang. Dang. Okay. Done We're going to go Anderson Pack. Dang. You'll all like right. all three of those songs. I can all guarantee right. it. I know I would. I know I would, but I just, for some reason, it's, it's been on the back burner for too long. I have one more. I mean, maybe I'll think about one, but I definitely have one more. I want to shout out Asai for just being, <laughs> for, for just, for just being like a super berry. Everyone's just like, oh, acai berry. You should eat more acai. It's good for you. I don't even know if that's true or not. I don't even know if I should be eating these things, but I love acai bowls. And I've been on like a huge acai bowl kick. I had one for lunch today. You do acai, a little bit of pineapple, throw a bunch of kale in there, blend that thing up, put some granola on top, a little bit of cut up pineapple, whatever fruit you want, a little bit of toasted coconut on top, and boom, you get yourself an incredibly, I think, healthy lunch. Um, so I went from smoothies. Like I used to drink a lot of smoothies to get, try to, that's how I try to get greens in because I don't really like eating greens. So I put them in smoothies to so now doing acai bowls. 
and they're delicious. So I'll just say this. If you want to feel like you're having a lunch on a tropical vacation, just have an acai bowl for lunch. So shout out acai berries, even though I don't even know if they're good for you or not. They are a superfood. So shout out acai and get ready to have your mind blown, Steve. Uh Acai packet. I know. A tablespoon of almond butter, Mm. half of a frozen banana, a little chia seed, maybe a little flax seed, a little coconut water. Blend that up, pour it in a bowl. Then we're going sliced banana. We're going granola. We're going maybe some quartered strawberries. Drizzle it with a little agave nectar. Okay. So this is the second time today I've had to tell someone that I actually don't like bananas. I think they're gross. I don't eat bananas. They're disgusting. They have a terrible texture. I don't like the flavor. Whenever they're in a smoothie, they overpower every smoothie they're in. I am off on bananas. So whatever the opposite of a shout out is, a shout, I don't know, a shout in, bananas. <laughs> I don't want them. Get it, stay, stay out of my food. Wow. Yep. Here I was thinking we were having a moment and you just totally just nope. bananas. They're disgusting. I can honestly tell you I haven't had a banana in probably a couple of decades, but I just, I still know what they taste like to this day and they make me want to vomit. So I'm out on bananas, unfortunately. I'm also very picky about fruit. I really like pineapple. Strawberries, very hit or miss. Um, I do like raspberries, but in certain contexts, blackberries are okay. Specific apples, depends on what kind of apple it is. Uh, Yellow apples, delicious. I love gala apples. I love green apples. Uh, Red delicious or disgusting. Like never eat a red delicious apple ever. We should do a fruit draft. We should do a fruit draft because it's going to be very controversial because I'm very picky about fruit. Yeah, let's do a fruit draft because you've already completely revealed your big board to me. So That's I know true. exactly how to That's play true. you. So let's, please, let's do a fruit draft. There's hundreds of I know that I'll fruits. get bananas in a late round easily. That's true. That's true. I, I, I may have given you my hand, but again, there's hundreds of fruits. So you don't even know. You could do a fruit draft. And I honestly think we could have 10 fruits that neither of us have even wanted to pick. I mean, I would say a tier one. My tier one is pineapple. I'll, I'll eat pineapple on anything. It's delicious. I'm not going to reveal mine, but I think we can both agree that honeydew is Mr. Irrelevant. Honeydew is not as bad as people make it out to be, but I don't really ever want to eat it. That's how I feel about honeydew. It's going to be a race to not pick honeydew. I'll save this for a later pod because I don't want to give everything away, but I'm interested to know your thoughts on cantaloupe. Very controversial. Deep tease for another deep, time? Who knows when I ever do it, but it's a deep tease. <laughs> you know, people are listening to this being like, wow, cannot wait for their cantaloupe. <laughs> yeah. Cantaloupe is very, uh, trust me, if, if my group chat, my friend's group chat is anything to basically report on, cantaloupe is a highly, highly controversial fruit. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not know people had hot takes on cantaloupe. I thought yeah. it was just kind of generally assumed that it was a lower tier fruit. <laughs> it was better than honeydew, but certainly not what you would go for in an early round. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll find out at some point. Well, I just revealed my cantaloupe take, so. That's true. Okay, Steve, last one from me. I did have four, but we we shouted out acai. One of them was going to be green juice. I've been pounding green juice recently. And okay, so yeah, now that we're here, shout out to companies that package green juice because I love a fresh juice. I like to, as you like to do with a smoothie or an acai bowl, get my greens in that way. But I hate juicing at home. I hate it. It's messy. It takes so long. You have a juicer? I have a juicer. I hate the process of putting it all down, putting the thing down. I hate the process of cleaning it all up. So I am like, yeah, I will pay the money to go pick up these green juices and have them at my disposal. So shout out to the juice bar, to Press Juicery, to all these places across America that are packaging green juices so we can get our greens in. I've always been interested in juicers. What is the part that isn't juice? What does that look like? Is it just disgusting? Is it like gray matter? (laughs) 
it is worse than that. It's this contraption that goes on the back. So it's a kind of a, the one I have at least it's a cylinder and there's an opening on the top and you put down your vegetables and then there's a thing that you push down. So it shoves it all down yeah. to the blade and then it shoots out the juice on one side and then it kicks the debris I guess if you want to call it the fruit debris out to the back in this container and it kind of is like going everywhere. Again, I have like an earlier model and it's just, ugh, it's sticky and there's stuff everywhere and then you have to take it out and dispose of it. It's just too much of a process for me. Yeah. It doesn't sound fun at all. I've always been interested in juicers, but I've always wondered that question. So I guess you answered it for me. There you go. But I do I mean, love a good juice. I you do my, love a good juice cleanse. I remember you were on several juice cleanses when we were working together, which I feel like would make me the most miserable human being on earth. It's a nice reset, but uh, my apologies to you, Steve, if you had to endure me <laughs> during several juice cleanses. No, you were fine. No, you were fine. I don't remember you being irritable or whatever, but I do know that that is a side effect. And I, I, honestly, rightfully so, if I was only consuming liquid for like three days, I'd be pissed off after a second meal. Here's the key to a juice cleanse. And I, a lot of people who are hardcore juicers out there are going to probably say, you're, you're not, not really doing it, but here's what I do. Here's the play from the book of Michelle. I do one full day juice and water. Day two, I do juice in the morning, big salad, very clean, all raw stuff for lunch, juice okay. for dinner. And then that will carry me through day yeah. three. I can't go no food three days. That's probably why I'm not irritable because if it was day one or the morning day two, I was probably just counting down to lunch. I would still be miserable if I could only have a salad though. I think that would bum me out. I need something else. I need carbs. I need a protein. I don't know. Well, speaking of full meals, my last shout out is Bon Appetit. Not only because it's fun to say, but I have true. been, you, yeah, say a Bon Appetit. It is true. It's fun. I mean, do it with your hands. It's just fun. Well, this is the Italian thing. I know that's French, but you know, the, uh, uh, chef's bon kiss. Yeah, it's beautiful. Bon Appetit, the magazine? What are we talking? Yeah. So it's a food magazine that also has an incredible wealth of recipes online. And I've been going to Bon Appetit for many recipes, but I want to shout them out specifically for their blood orange chicken recipe that I made. Love blood orange. Love it. I mean, if we're talking number one overall draft picks, I think I'm going blood orange. It's just not that versatile, but oh, go ahead. I'll, we can talk more about blood oranges later. And here's where you're wrong because I've been using it in a lot of dishes lately. I've gotten a blood orange in a salad. I've got a blood orange solo. I had a blood orange in this blood orange chicken dish. Steve, do you have a cast iron skillet? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to send you this recipe for anyone out there. I will post it on my Instagram story. I posted a picture when I made it. You just take chicken breasts and it's got, oh my God, it's got chickpeas, castrovano olives, blood oranges, a little feta in there, some seasoned chicken, some rosemary. And you literally, all you have to do is do some chopping and then you put it in a cast iron skillet, you pop it in the oven. It's amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. So my favorite margarita is a mezcal blood orange margarita. Love blood orange Ooh, in that. Steve, you're speaking my language here. The absolute best. Maddie and I bought a bag of blood oranges at Trader Joe's a couple weeks ago. We're like, cool, we're going to use these for a bunch of different things. Did you know that a dozen blood oranges made two drinks? Two. Two drinks. A lot of work there. There's a lot of labor involved. It's not like it's expensive. I just feel like I'm wasting this fruit. It's amazing. And they were, they're smaller. They're not, if you don't know, they're not the size of like regular oranges. They're a little, they're probably like the size of a lemon or a lime in a way. Right. More lemon. But yeah, a dozen a dozen uh, blood oranges got me, got us two drinks, two drinks, good times. But I will say, was blood orange. It, it was, it was very good. Blood orange Italian soda, the best Italian soda is blood orange for sure. 
even just eating them, they're delicious, but um, I've never usually made them in a recipe. So I guess I'll have to try that. Well, that was a fun shout out corner. Didn't expect to go from Walgreens to acai. Didn't expect your complete disregard for bananas. Yeah, it's one of those ones that you don't come out and tell people you don't like bananas because most people eat bananas all the time, but my entire life, I just don't like bananas. So I'm sorry, you could have them. They're mushy and disgusting. No, pass. I'll take all your bananas. Well, Steve, let's get to a review, shall we? Let's do it. This one comes from Humi's dad. Subject line, the illest, five stars. Shout out from NYC, Michelle and Saruti have it all. It's a stiff cocktail of sports, humor, and real talk in one glass. I'm a month late, but the Nelly Ludicrous IG battle <laughs> recap was epic. Also, seasonal allergies are the worst. Toot toot. I actually know who sent this review. It's my friend, Patrick. What's up, Patrick? He, well, shout out, Patrick. I knew it was him when he said Humi's dad, because um, he has his beautiful daughter named Humi. But... Shout out, Patrick. Shout out for that review. Thank you to him for sending that. And honestly, the Nelly Ludacris IG battle, I'm so upset over it. I'm so upset with the way that Nelly handled it. And I wonder if I'm ever going to get over it. It's funny. After we did that, I was on some sort of road trip and I basically went through most of their catalogs. And I felt even stronger about my take then that I do now is that Ludacris just puts you in a better mood. Like his songs are just they're party bangers. And like, while Nelly does have some, mm -hmm. you, and I'm not even saying this to troll you, it's just like Ludacris far and away, unfortunately, won that battle for you. And it's, you know, Nelly's great, but he's just not Ludacris. I'm sorry. Yeah, you are definitely trolling me with that because you know that had Nelly chosen the songs correctly, he would have had the victory in hand. Mm, I'm not sure about that. Mm -mm. I don't like Air Force One, but there's some Nelly songs that I just don't really like. So it's unfortunately he's going to take a backseat to Ludacris almost every time. You're not liking Air Force One seems like a you problem. Bad song. Not a good song. Yeah. Not Amazing a song. song, but Sorry. whatever. Agree whatever. disagree. Anyway, thank you. Shouts out. Also, appreciate him doing the uh, the stiff drink after we talked about making. Just don't make a blood orange one. That's all, That's my only advice to you. Or do it because it sounds delicious and amazing. Buy the blood orange juice then. Don't do it yourself. It's just it's too much work. Well, thank you to Patrick for that review. If you haven't already, please head to Apple Podcasts, search for Small Talk, subscribe to it, rate it, and leave a review. Steve, I also think that this is the part of the podcast where we need to kind of set the table for episode 100 because we oh. are steadily creeping up on episode 100. And I know we wanted to kind of revisit some of our old features. So I'm going to go ahead and put the call out there for people. If you have bad dates, and I'm sure you have some bad oh, quarantine dates. I mean, dating right now, <laughs> I feel badly for people that are dating right now because that has to be tough to try and find someone right now. So if you have a bad date, shoot it to Steve and I at our Instagrams. I'm at msmallman. Steve is at Steve underscore Saruti, correct? Yes. And we're going to do some 10,000 frogs on episode 100 because it has been far too long. I agree. I feel like that is probably of all the features we've ever done, the one that people maybe miss the most and gets the biggest laughs out of people. So I would be fired up to bring that back. And you're right. The isolation and the quarantine stories are going to only make it more weird, but I think we embrace that and we welcome. So don't be afraid. Anything, you know, throw it out there and we'll get to it on the next pod. Although, so this was 98. So we have one more and then we're doing 100. Okay. So you got plenty of time. You got like two weeks to do this. Two weeks to get it in because I imagine, I mean, this is us workshopping on the pod, but I mean, we need to do cool. No one cares. We haven't yep. done that in a while. Yep. We're going to need to do 10,000 frogs. We haven't done that in a while. We can always muster up some A plus content. Yep. Um, I tried to sneak it in today. I did really. <laughs> What's up? I missed exactly. it. Exactly. So, I mean, is there anything else that we, I'm going to go back and listen to our first episode. I know. I almost think it would be funny to do that together and 
Well, you know, no, actually, I take that back. Maybe there's like an exercise of like, go back, listen to the first episode. We each individually take notes and then we come back for episode 100 and be like, okay, here are our five takeaways from our first episode and see how many of them align. Because I guarantee you, they're probably going to be the same. That is an amazing idea. And I'm going to do that. Okay. Yeah. So and we encourage everyone else to as well. Go back. You have two weeks. So we'll do it in a couple of weeks. We're all together as a collective small talk community. Listen to the first episode and take notes and report back for episode 100. Okay, so how many takeaways do we want? Three to five? Let's do five. We're going to want to have a lot, but let's whittle it down to the five best. Hold on. Let me look this up now that we're here. I am really- I don't even know what it was about. I can't, I don't even remember anything about it. I don't remember anything about it. Oh my God. Okay, ready? May 3rd, 2018. Okay, that was a different, that was different people back then. If you would have told us on May 3rd, 2018, everything that would have happened in two years. (sighs) Yeah. My God. I know. The stories we could share. Okay, the title Post Show Pod Reunion and Cool No One Cares Power Rankings 1.0. Episode notes. Shout out Mumford. Episode, episode notes. It's a post show pod reunion. We're catching up with Saruti and Tommy Freeze Pops from the Bristol days and going over our cool No One Cares Power Rankings. I don't remember any of my cool no one cares. I'm just wondering if I still feel the same way about them as I do now, which is probably yes. I also, as everyone, when they go back and listen to themselves, we're going to hate the way that we sound. I know it. It's a a given. It is a given. I wonder if our voices will sound different. I think they will. I think they will. Over two years ago? Hell yeah. I mean, not that like I'm going through puberty for a second time here, but yeah, your voice changes as we go. Like, what are we doing? Got a lot of miles on these cords, Steve. (laughs) It's true. That's true. Very true. All right. I'm looking forward to this. That's actually, that's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. So that's your assignment to everyone listening. If you have a bad date, hit us up so that we can do that in two weeks. And yeah, next week we will be back as regularly scheduled, but episode 100, we're going down memory lane. So just a heads up on that. Well, thank you again to Patrick for the review. Thank you, Steve, for doing this. And we'll be back in action next week. But until then, shout out Moana. Shout out Coco. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.